Oh man. That was that was almost there. Let's let's see if we can try that one more time. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Alright, I mean, um you know, sometimes you, you come across something that, that shakes you a little bit. Some of y'all guys know that my wife and I are in this process to foster, to adopt uh, three little ones. You know, twin two-year-old or three-year-olds now and a two-year-old. And along the way, man, we've been through so much. We've been through so much. At this point, uh, where we're at, um, the states are fighting and so, like, even when it comes to the benefits that my kids are supposed to receive, we're not receiving them. The help that kids or foster kids are supposed to receive, we're not receiving them because there's a fight between Texas and Kansas of who's going to pay. And, and so even when it comes to, like, medical benefits, um, we can't put the kids on our insurance because they're not ours by law yet. But the states won't give them the insurance that they're supposed to have because they're Texas kids, but in Kansas. Now, I don't tell you this to how you feel sorry for us. But along the way, uh, and and even as as recent as this week, I've had conversations with friends and family members that say, why are y'all still doing this? They won't help you. They won't do anything. Why are you still doing this? See, but then some of you know that this past week we had the opportunity to go to Branson for vacation. And all week we had these, these different brochures, the things that we were going to do with the kids, the experience with the kids. And one of them was this duck tour. This, 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 this tour of this vehicle that travels on land and then goes into the water. And all week we were planning on, we're going to do this with the kids. This is going to be so fun. And, and, and somewhere along the way, our scheduling and trying to get everything, and things didn't go how they planned. And, and then I, I opened my Facebook, and there on the wall was the story of that day while we were eating dinner, the duck boat accident happened. While we were in town, and, and one family that was on the boat, There was nine of them, and I think eight of the nine passed. They didn't have the opportunity to do what we're doing this morning. And I can only imagine being on that boat and seeing one of my kids go into the water. And the reaction I would have had. See, because I don't care what, what the state says or who kids they are. Right? They're, they're my kids. And, and seeing of going after them in that circumstance and seeing the love that I have for them, but then remembering that even the love I have for them is nothing in comparison to the love that the Father has for us. And how he's willing to do reckless things in the mind of man, in order to pursue a relationship with us. And so as I talk to my friends and my family members that ask, why are we still doing this? I say, because that's what was done for us.
And so on mornings like this that we get to sing, we sing and we celebrate because of what's been done for us, the love that's been shown for us. And, and so that's why every time we gather is a celebration. If, you're, if this is your first time visiting Fellowship High Christ, I want to let you know that the blue Bibles that you find in the seats are our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible of your own, take that one and use it as our gift to you. If you don't have one that's easy to read, take that one as our gift to you. If you know someone who doesn't have a Bible or doesn't have one that's easy to read, take that one and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. Usually we like to put the page numbers for our main um, passage on the screen because um, we want you to see that the things that we're teaching come from the scriptures. But this series is a little bit different. We're going to be using various passages, and we don't want you to have to be flipping all back and forth over. And so we're going to be putting more of those passages on the screen than we normally do, um, because we still want you to see that we are preaching from the scriptures. And you'll see why that's important as I speak. Um, Last week, Jeremy kicked off our series, uh, which is DTR. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's defining the relationship. And if you've ever been in a relationship, you, you can probably attest, especially us guys, if you've ever heard um, the female you're dating saying, you know what, we need to have a DTR. It kind of sends a chill up your spine a little bit, right? You're like, here we go. But um, hang in here with me. During this series, our hope is to define the relationship between the Christian and the church and how it all fits into God's will. Now, I know for, for some of you thinking that we're making this too difficult. Why spend this much time on it? Well, if you've been here at Fellowship High Crest during the week, then you know it looks very different in the gym than it does on Sunday mornings. Now, all of this doesn't happen by magic. But there's actually a group of many women that show up every Saturday morning and they help set up all the chairs. The baptismal just don't appear on the, on the third weekend of the month on magic. The communion table is not just here on the first Sunday of the month in magic. There's a group of many women that give a part of their Saturday morning each week to help see the stage and all the instruments set up to make sure the slides are in place and all those different things. They're part of our road dogs team and our take arts team. If you're a part of those teams, would you stand up and, and, and let us appreciate you this morning? If you are not currently serving somewhere, these are excellent places to serve and be of value um, to the body. You get to wear one of these cool road dog shirts like I'm sporting um, this morning. And so, but these are excellent places to start off with serving and getting involved and being a part of the community. Now, there's also just a danger without knowing how things happen and how things come about. It's like that kid who continuously leaves the empty Kool-Aid pitcher in the refrigerator because they just think it magically fills up all the time. Right? I mean, you have to tell them, like, man, would you please refill the ice cube trays? They don't just magically refill themselves. I know all y'all may have grown up in the house with automatic ice makers, but, but not I. Right, that was like, a, we about to have a battle roll around here if I find those ice trays empty one more time. One more time. So, but if we don't dig into what the church is and what our God-intended role with the church is, we run the risk of thinking that the mission of God happens by magic. 
And we think that disciples are made by magic. We think that we invite people to this service, they pray this prayer, and boom, everything turns out all right. But we know that's not the case. So let's spend some time digging in and exploring this, and it'll take us more than one week to do it. Um, This week, we'll spend time describing the church structure, and next week, we'll begin putting flesh onto this structure. So another way to think about it is this week we'll be discussing the marriage covenant, and then next week we'll be discussing um, how a couple gets to live together and make a home together and engage in marital intimacy together and share confidences and so on. But one more image before we jump in. And I know some of you have seen this repeatedly, but they say that um, you haven't adequately taught something until the congregation is able to complete your sentences. So you're going to keep on seeing it. All right, so... Here at Fellowship High Christ, when we say church, uh, we lay it out like this. And we do so because language matters. Language creates culture. And we say a church is a group of people whose lives are centered around two things, gospel and community. That's one of the reasons we like to call what we do here on Sunday mornings more the gathering than we do church. Gospel is always the content and community is always the context. With this being the case, church is not a building It's not an event, but it's a group of people whose lives are centered around those two things, gospel and community. Those people whose lives are centered around gospel and community, those people who Jesus Christ is both Lord and Savior. Therefore, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights is when Fellowship High Crest gathers as a church. And throughout the rest of the week is when Fellowship High Crest, the church, scatters. Now, both parts of the church are important, and here's why. Here's why. The only power we have to change comes from the Holy Spirit using the Word of God in the context of the community of God. Let me say that again. The only power we have to change comes from the Holy Spirit using the Word of God in the context of the community of God. Did you get that? Let me explain what that means. That means if you want to grow to be more like Christ in any area of your life, The only way that it's going to happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit using the word of God in the context of the local church. If if that helps you know how important this message series is, we receive the Holy Spirit when we step over the line of faith and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we spend time reaping and studying the word of God, we learn the promises of God. If you are new to Fellowship High Crest, reaping is the method of reading and studying the scriptures that we teach here. It stands for reading, examining, applying, and praying. When you go through Rooted, we'll teach you this process. We have an online app for the church that gives a daily reading plan that you can follow. That reading plan was also printed out for you and placed into the seats this morning so you can take that with you. And we try to read the same scriptures each day and journal about them so that we can encourage one another from those scriptures. Now, think about this. Think about it. There's probably close to 200 people in this room. Right. Think about this. If all 200 of us read and prayed over and studied the same scripture every day. And then as we saw each other throughout the day, we can encourage each other from the same scriptures. We've been praying prayers about God using that scripture in each of our lives. And now we're able to speak it to one another. Think of how powerful that is. That's the power of a group of a community, of a group of people whose lives are centered around gospel and community being on the same page. It's not a control thing. It's a thing where we can greater encourage one another in our daily life. 
So back to what I was saying. We receive the Holy Spirit when we step across the line of faith and accept Jesus Christ as our, our Lord and Savior. We get the power of God's word when we learn and study the promises found in God's word. And we experience the results of God's promises as we serve those within the local church with the gifts that he's given us. And they serve us using the gifts that he's given them. That's why it's important that you have some kind of shirt representing that you serve in some place in ministry here at Fellowship Highcrest. You are missing a part of the Christian experience if you are not serving the body in some manner. You're cheating yourself of a part of what God meant for you to have an experience if you're not serving the body in some kind of way. So now next week we'll talk about how that looks, but this week we're going to focus on the structure. So I'm going to start out with this discussion of the big C church versus the little C church because this is a very relevant discussion in our society. This comes up a lot. The gospel is our marriage covenant with God. And the question that creeps in at this point, though, is if all believers are a part of the kingdom of God or what we refer to as the big C church or the universal church, how does my relationship with them differ from my relationship with those that are part of the little C church or local church that I belong to? What turns this smaller group of people into a local church? I'm going to give you a definition, and then I'm going to spend the rest of my time sharing scriptures and breaking down that, descri- that uh, definition so that we leave here. That's all I'm going to do with the rest of my time. I'm going to give you a definition, and then we're going to break it down in parts using the scriptures to tell what that means. All right, so here's the definition. A local church is a group of Christians who regularly, share, who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't worry, you're going to get it on the slides. I know some of you are trying to write fast. It's broken down into points on your handout if you picked up one coming in. You can also go to the online app, and it's in there in the message notes. So I'm going to say that one more time. A local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. So let's break that down. And the first verse that we're going to use to launch into this is Matthew 16, 15 through 19. So Matthew 16, 15 through 19, here's what it says. It says, then he asked him, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. This is God's word. So let's walk through that definition one more time here. And and we're going to start walking through that by parts. The first part, a group who regularly gathers in Christ Jesus' name. This verse is one of the only two times that Jesus uses the word church as opposed to the 49 times that he uses the word kingdom. This is one of the only two times that he uses the word church. 
In this passage, as Jesus uses the word church, he's talking about the universal or the big C church. He is saying that one of the goals of the kingdom is to have this gathering of all believers at the end of time. And one of the ways that the little C church, um, the local church, models this end time aim of Jesus for the kingdom is by gathering on a regular basis together. The little C church or the local church, just like an embassy of a nation, should hold to the same principles and practices as the big C church that it represents. So if you've ever been overseas, you know that one of the most welcome signs you can see is the U.S. embassy when something goes wrong. Because, you know, they function just like the U.S. does here. In the same way, the local church, the small church, is supposed to um, reflect the big C universal church and its end aim that God has for it by gathering regularly because that's the aim at the end, a king living with his people. So we're supposed to model that. If you want to claim to be a part of the big C church, then one of the ways you do it is by gathering with the little C church, the local church on a regular basis. Now, the sad part is in our society, it's gone to where regular attendance for the going church member has become 1.4 times a month. Which means that most people are more regular with their rec softball league than they are in gathering with the body. If we were as regular with changing our underwear as we are with gathering with the body, things would be a stink. <laughs> and for most of our spiritual walks, it's a stink because of that, because we refuse to gather with the body on a regular basis. Guys, it's going to be, it's almost impossible to grow if you're only here once a month. If you're only gathering with the body once a month, it's going to be almost impossible to grow. I've seen it way too often where I was a youth pastor and something would be happening with a teenage kid and the parent would bring the kid to me and say, hey, can you please talk to my son? And I'm like, I have no relationship with your son. How can I speak into his life? He's never here. You're expecting me to perform a miracle when there's been no building of relationship. They have no value for community. So why would my voice ever carry any value in his life? Parents, it's important. A hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter with your kid is their relationship with God. That's the only thing that will matter a hundred years from now is your kid's relationship with God. B, to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Christ and Jesus Christ in his kingdom. In the passage that we just read, Peter the confessor confesses that Jesus is the son of God and Jesus affirms his confession and tells him that now he gets to represent him. So the only authority that the church gets is from the word of God and we only have the power to do what the scriptures tell us. That is so important. Everything is built on the word of God. That's the only authority that we have. And if you don't know the word of God for yourself, then you're, once again, you're cheating yourself out of that because you don't know how this thing is supposed to function. You don't know the benefits that you have with coming with being a part of it if you don't know the word of God yourself. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good books out there that you can read. I finished two books while I was on vacation, but none are better 
than the word of God. Commit to reading through the whole of Scripture if you haven't. Make it a priority in your lives. One of the problems we have, like I said, is we fail to read the Scriptures. The other one is we look over this verse far too quickly sometimes. Jesus in this verse affirmed Peter to speak and act on his behalf. And after Jesus leaves, he says that he's going to give those, he affirms the local church, the power to affirm true gospel confessions and confessors. Jesus confirmed Peter and he said, hey, when I leave, I'm going to give you, the local church, the power to affirm true gospel confessions and confessors. Some may say like Kanye, well, can't nobody tell me nothing. But none of those who say that would wake up tomorrow morning and call a press conference and claim to speak on behalf of the president without being given the proper permissions. So why would we ever think that we can do that with the king of all kings and presidents? It is the local church that affirms true confessors and confessions in Jesus Christ. See, through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. So our, our second passage that we're going to go to today is this, Matthew 18, 15 through 20. And here's what it says, Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of three uh, what we call synoptic gospels. Synoptic means it's the same story seen from different points of view. So it's like I'm a Cowboys fan and my wife is a Chiefs fan. Um, I see things from a winning point of view. (laughs) She sees things from a Chiefs point of view. We're going to let it ride where it's at. There in Matthew 18, 15 through 20, here's what it says. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Let me explain some some churchy words before we begin. One of the true problems I, I think we have also is that we don't explain the terms we use enough. And so there's a confusion. We use the same words, but we mean different things. So let me explain some churchy words. The first one is ordinance. You've heard me mention that a couple of times now. An ordinance is simply something that the church observes as a reminder or as a memorial. In baptism, we're looking back at when the church started and we're asking God to use the spirit in the same way as he did when the church began and as was promised with the coming of the spirit in our lives. This includes the acts of the spirit that are seen in Acts 2 and Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10 and Titus 3 and Mark 10. In all those places, we're saying, God, in the same way you use the spirit there, use the spirit in our lives. We also um, picture baptism as a symbolic representation of the gospel and the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. 
Baptism has always been meant to be a public sign of identification of a believer with the body. Let me say that again. Baptism has always meant to be a public sign of identification with the body. If you want to say that you belong to the body of Christ, it means that you get baptized as a believer. It's that simple. Believers in Scripture were baptized. That's one of the things we see. Now, communion is our other ordinance. Communion is a repeated ceremony of the church as opposed to the one-time thing of baptism. It is a sign of the new covenant that's seen in Luke 22, uh, 20 and 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. 25. Communion serves also as a time of memorial, community, proclamation, expectation, and needed self-examination. If you're hearing this, these two ordinances both serve as a part of the community. That's why I believe that, that communion is something that should be taken with the body. Baptism is this public identification. It's something that's done with the body. These are two public things. These affirm your identity with the body. These are important parts of being and belonging to the body. In the Matthew 18 passage that we just read, it uses, Jesus used the word church for the second and last time. I know that a lot of people use verse 20 out of context all the time. I know you commonly hear people to use it as an example not to be a part of the church or to have a wish come true. But the context in which this is said, verse 20 is said, is actually church discipline. I believe if people looked at the context, they would use that verse far less. Because the context is actually church discipline. In this passage, Jesus is saying that the local church has heaven's authority uh, for declaring who on earth is a kingdom citizen and therefore represents heaven. One of the ways we do this is by declaring who can take part in baptism and communion. The two ordinances of our faith. Verse 20 is saying that when the church that it needs to enact church discipline, a lone person should not make the decision. Several people spending time in prayer and acting in agreement should make it. And when it happens along those lines, then our triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is in agreement with the leadership of the local church. Now, the thought of church discipline makes some people uncomfortable, but we must see that holding people accountable is a part of what makes a group of people a church. And if a group of Christians decides that it no longer wants to hold people accountable, then it ceases to be a church. Because that is one of the roles that Jesus gave to the church. Whenever a group of people decides that it no longer wants to hold people accountable, then it has ceased being the church. I know we live in a society of relative truth, but that is relatively a lie. There, there is real truth out there, and it is God's word. When we cease to hold one another accountable, we have ceased to be the church. The local church is the Christian's highest authority on earth, not the Constitution, not the government, not the governor, not the Bill of Rights, not the mayor, not a city councilman. The local church is the Christian's highest authority on earth. 
Will the local church exercise the keys perfectly? No. It will make mistakes just as every other authority established by Jesus makes mistakes. As such, the local church will be an imperfect representation of Christ's end-time gathering. But the fact that it makes mistakes, just like presidents and just like parents, does not mean it is without an authoritative obligation. I think no one in this room would say that because you're not the perfect parent that you don't deserve to be a parent. If so, it would disqualify all of us. If you are without kids, you are the best parent you will ever be right now. (laughs) Trust me. Before kids, I knew everything about parenting. Now that I have kids, I know God a lot better. What is the local church? The local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. Our relationship to that group is defined as church membership. In church membership, the individual says to the church, insofar as I recognize you as a faithful gospel declaring church. I submit my presence and my discipleship to your love and oversight. In some ways, the affirming of the church, um, of the believer's confession, and the submitting of the believer to the authority of the local church is like the I do of a marriage ceremony. The baptism is like the wedding reception. It happens once. The communion is like the anniversary. It happens repeatedly. The wedding is cool, the reception was fun, and and the anniversary is heartwarming, but it all comes at a cost. The cost of our celebration and all the priceless memories that that accompanied it came at the cost of a bloodless, of a blood of a sinless Savior who lived a sinless life, who was hung on a cross and separated for a time from the presence of his heavenly Father, placed in a borrowed tomb, but rose on that third day morning. Those that believe in him, those that are thankful for his sacrifice, for the price that he paid, those that submit to him get to enjoy what he received, the presence of the Father. Now, today we are especially lucky. Two weeks ago, we got to celebrate the anniversary. Today, we get to celebrate the wedding reception. You know, if if you're here and you have never stepped across the line of faith, meaning if you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today would be a mighty fine day to say, I do. There is no better time than today to say, I do. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to pray. No special words, no special order of words. It's a prayer of thanks for what God has done. If you make that commitment for the first time, I ask that you will mark it on your card and let us know. Or you can go and speak to our prayer team um, right after service in Media One or, or somebody up here. Now, if you have stepped across the line of faith, but you haven't gone public with your faith, then I, I challenge you to be obedient to the word of God today. We have extra clothes and extra towels, and there's going to be no better day than today for you to be obedient and take your first step of obedience to Christ. There's no better time than the present to say yes to God.
to be obedient to the Spirit. If that's you, while we sing this song after I pray, there's going to be somebody at the closet door right back here at the back of the gym who's, who's going to be there and is able to give you clothes and make sure you have a towel and we can get you baptized today. There's grave importance with being a part of the local church. There's no better yes than the local church because that was Christ's plan. I know Jeremy said it last week, don't be a maybe. Don't keep looking for something better because there's not anything better. This is how he planned it. You'll be hearing more about what that means and how you become a part of that in the weeks to come over this series. And each week we'll lay out a different piece of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We know that we didn't deserve your son. We didn't, we didn't earn him coming and rescuing us. But you did it. We don't deserve to be named as part of your family. But when we trust in your son as our Lord and Savior, we get to. Father, if there's anyone here that's, that's been trying to earn their way to you, doing enough good deeds and going to enough services, I, I pray that today will be the day they give up. They recognize that, that they are not good enough. That it's only through the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. And that today your spirit would move them to take a step of obedience. To step from death into life. Father, if there's someone here, they, they've been waiting for the perfect moment to get baptized. They've been waiting for a perfect person to be there in the audience. They've been waiting for all these. Let them know that today is the perfect day. Today is the perfect time to say yes to you, to be obedient to you, to make it happen today. And Father, impress upon our hearts the importance of reflecting you in our daily lives. And a part of what it means to reflect you is how we operate within the local church. Help us to see how this is a part of the experience and the promises that you have made to us. We pray these things in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen.